It is Friday, July 15th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaub. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And joining us today is another special guest in our Beat Writer series. He covers the Broncos for Nine News in Denver. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Kliss. He is Mike Kliss. Mike, thanks very much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. It's getting close to like prime draft season. So we've got some questions for you because it's been a big off season for this Broncos offense. Of course, the Russell Wilson trade is at the center of everything, but this was the fifth most run heavy offense in the league in neutral situations last year. So now that we've got the Russell Wilson trade, we've got some shakeup at running back. It's still the same guys, but a new coaching staff to kind of change things. Should we expect anything close to that level of running? Or do you think that it's going to shift way toward the pass this season? I don't think it's going to shift way toward the pass. Um, it's, it's going to be an interesting a dichotomy between uh, Nathaniel Hackett, who loves to run the ball, you know, at, at least they did in Green Bay. You said the Broncos were uh, fifth uh, in the neutral running. I wonder where Green Bay was, because even with Aaron Rodgers, with that wide zone, they like to run the ball. I mean, they, they all come from that same tree, you know, the Shanahan, Kubiak, McVay type of tree with that West Coast wide zone uh, principle. And um, running the ball is a priority for the Nate Hackett offense. And Justin Outen, who he hired to be his offensive coordinator, Hackett's first-year head coach, Outen is a first-year offensive coordinator, and together they're going to run that wide zone and play action off the wide zone. Uh, You know, their whole thing is to make, you know, that bootleg rollout um, and running all look the same. Uh, initially so but on the other hand I think one reason why Russell Wilson escaped wanted to escape from Seattle was because uh, they were too run heavy and the Broncos have done some things to make sure Russell Wilson is happy you know they they're they're he's got his own personal coaching staff and a couple of them a personal trainer and, and massage therapist have access to the building to to work on uh, Russell um you know, he's he's a guy that uh, he was in the draft room, for instance, and and offered input. I mean, he's going to have input on plays. He talks to Hackett constantly. So I think uh, the other thing about Russell Wilson in this offense, he's going to have the freedom to check at the line of scrimmage. That's something that really this offense doesn't really like their quarterbacks to do. They want them running the play. I know Gary Kubiak, I'm kind of going back to Gary Kubiak. That's the way he uh, liked things. He want just run the play and there'll be variations off the play. Once the ball snapped uh, options available to you after it snapped, Clint Kubiak is a quarterback's coach here for the Broncos. And so it's all part of the same family, but I do know Russell Wilson wants more freedom. He wants to have more impact on the game than he had in Seattle and I think the Broncos are going to give it to him. I don't know exactly how to answer that. I, that's a long-winded way of saying I've got no idea <laughs> if they're going to uh, run the ball more or not. There's reasons why they will pass, and that's Russell Wilson and the freedom he's going to want. 
And there's also the Hackett offense, which is run heavy. And so how it meshes, my prediction, I guess, would be um, it would depend on how the opponents attack them. And, uh, you know, so it'll be a week-to-week game plan uh, type of thing. I do think um, last year, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon each had 900 yards. So 1,800 combined didn't really help the fantasy leaguers because it was 900 down the down the middle. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same maybe with Javante getting 60, it, it, it being more of a 60-40 split there uh, this year with Javante getting a few more. Okay, that was our next question actually about the backfield and how things are going to be split. You talked about the why, and by the way, Green Bay was 11th last year in neutral run rate. So okay. they, they were quite a bit higher. I mean, I think, is that a territory you think Denver could approach? Well, you know, I guess uh, if the Broncos were um, uh, running, I think, first of all, they, they, uh, they, they played to their defense more. They did have a good defense. And, and also Teddy Bridgewater, you know, was a ball control game management. He was not a deep ball thrower. And so he maybe needed the running game a little more than Russ or Russell, who's going to hit the deep ball more. So, in that regard, you know, I would think the Broncos are going to be closer to to tenth and follow the Green Bay model uh, than they than they would uh, the Pat Shermer model. The last couple of years, where they're, you know, I don't think they trusted their quarterback that much. Teddy was, I I like Teddy. I thought he ran a good game. Uh, he was good, really good early in the game management. He got a concussion in week four. I don't think he was quite the same after that. And then, of course, he got another bad concussion after uh, he got an ankle injury and a concussion after that. He's not the type that's going to hold up over 17 like Russell Wilson can and has and will. Um, so, you know, I, I do think it'll be a little more pass passing percentage in that regards for the Broncos, but not extraordinarily more. Mm hmm. Yeah, that seems fair. I mean, in addition to the the clear quarterback upgrade, we're also talking last year about a Denver team that lost Jerry Judy for six games early in the season, had Cortland Sutton coming off of ACL tear, uh, lost KJ Hamler early in the season. So reasons for that team to lean further toward the run. Seems like that 10-11 range where you're still, you know, above average in terms of your run lean seems like a fair place to set our expectations. Yeah, I mean – and they were left uh, because Judy was, ha- you know, Judy had such a great training camp, great off season. And he, he opened up against the Giants in the opener and had five catches for 72 yards, uh, one series into the second half and had that awful high ankle sprain. Uh, it wasn't, it, you know, it looked worse as he got carted off the field. But you're right, he missed six games. And then there's a confidence factor coming back. Uh, he went through, he got the yips with catching the ball. He'll have to overcome that. And so that was a loss. And then Hamler was early, I think the third game, early in the third game, he tore the ACL. And those are the two young bucks. Those are the two open up the field type of uh, receivers uh, because Sutton and Patrick are similar. They're post up, you know, they're the curl route guys. Um, and and um, so, you know, it will open up. A little bit more and and Hackett does like and and Rogers did this the last couple of years they do like that backside deep ball and uh you know the roll to the right and the throw deep to the left down the left seam if Hamler's okay and we don't know about that yet 
Um, it's a big training camp for him. He's looked good in the offseason. Looks like he's going to be ready. And then Judy, who did not have a good offseason, he was dinged up. Uh, he had a little uh, domestic issue he had to get through. Um, but, um, you know, if those two can open it up, uh, th- that will help out everyone. I just don't I just don't know how they're g- they're going to start because I know they want to establish that running game first. Mm-hmm. Not a bad problem to have. I mean, they have, I think, one of the more talented backfields in the NFL and I think a wide receiver core that, you know, could be top five, top ten in the NFL with all these young guys. I, 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 I guess we can stick with the wideouts for now. Mike, do you see one of these guys emerging as like the clear top target in the passing game or do you think it's going to be spread out between Sutton, Judy, and maybe even Tim Patrick is like right in the mix with those two guys? Well, Patrick's like a, you know, you guys should know by now. He's a, he, you plug in Patrick and he's four, uh, four catches, fifty yards. That's a pretty typical Tim Patrick. Um, you know, maybe a touchdown uh, every every other game. You know, that's kind of his. That's kind of who Tim Patrick is. A Sutton, a last year, looked like he was going back. I mean, he is the number one receiver, and looked like he was regaining form um, early. He had two monster games early, one against Jacksonville. The other, I think, was in a in a loss somewhere around there where he went 120 in both games. But uh, after that, he got that big – him and Patrick both got big contract extensions in right. midseason during the bye. $15 million a year for Sutton, $10 million a year for Patrick. And then their production went way down. Uh, Sutton had 10 consecutive games – of uh, two or less catches, 40 or less yards. It was a combination of it looked like he had trouble separating off press coverage, uh, uh, off the line of scrimmage, combined with, um, you know, the struggles with Teddy Bridgewater and, you know, the offensive line and those kind of things. So, and Patrick uh, did a, a little bit better. The expectations are different for Patrick. He's, he's a number two, two and a half, number three receiver. Uh, Jerry Judy, I think, is the key to this receiving core. Uh, you said top five, top ten. I think that's inflating it quite a bit, although Russell Wilson would agree with you. It's one reason why Russell Wilson wanted to join the Broncos. He likes this young receiver core. It just was nowhere near top five, top ten at the end of last year. So Russell Wilson will have to make a difference with this receiving core. To me, Jerry Judy, after two years, has it's been a little disappointing. Uh, especially in light of Justin Jefferson and uh, C.D. Lamb, who were picked behind him, yeah. um, you know, having such big numbers in production. And um, uh, so Judy, uh, you know, he has to jump up. He does have number one potential. He's got to catch the ball. He's got to be confident. Um, he's got to be mentally strong uh, uh, when things aren't going his way in games. You know, uh, the guy just turned 21 when he was drafted. We kind of forget that. These guys are just babies uh, that you're expecting big things from. He's just 23 now. Uh, I do think I do see some growth in him maturity wise as a person. And so, you know, I think he's got 80, 1200 potential, but you know what potential means. It means you haven't done it yet. And so, yep. but that's what they need out of Jerry Judy. I think he's an 80 catch guy. I think uh, uh, Sutton should be a 70 catch guy. 
uh, Hamler's got the potential to be, you know, kind of like some of them big, uh, uh, big play guys where he catches 45, but has maybe, uh, you know, 45 to 50 catches, but has uh, 850 yards with, uh, you know, eight or nine touchdowns. That's his potential. But he's coming off that big injury, and he's a slight guy, a little guy. And uh, we'll see if he can hold up through uh, 17 games. Yeah, when people bring up Justin Jefferson from Judy's class, he should just remind people that Jalen Rager was there, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you know what? Broncos liked him, too. Uh, they're, they're, I liked him. <laughs> one guy uh, on the Broncos and that was involved in the draft process and the decision uh, liked uh, Rager the best. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for whatever reason, who knows? Sometimes you, it's it's a matter of getting drafted to the right system and the, and the right coaches. Um, you know, the draft is only 50%, you know, as far as whether these guys are good draft picks or not. The other 50% is what the coaches do with them. Well, as an Eagles fan, I wish that guy would have spoken up a little bit louder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I Back to the... where, where did Rager go as opposed to Jefferson? Right behind him. Or no, right right, right in front of him. The oh, Eagles boy. took Rager with Jeff Jefferson on the board and the Vikings. There's that video of the Vikings draft war room being like, yeah. oh, my God, they took Rager. <laughs> they left us Jefferson. And they're still laughing now. Well, that hurts. It doesn't hurt quite as bad as – uh trying to think of the year, maybe uh, 2016, uh, 15, the Broncos with the first pick in the fifth round took Jake Butt and the 49ers with the second pick in the fifth yes. round took George Kittle. Um, <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Even before George Kittle became what he is, I mean, taking Jake Butt coming off of the two ACL tears, I think at that point, right? It was like, well, I yeah. guess. <laughs> it was the second one. And then uh, he suffered the third. Yeah. I think to the other knee. So uh, Jake was a great guy. He woulda, coulda, shoulda. You know, it was just mm. the injuries. Yeah, I feel bad for a guy like that. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to the backfield real quick, just for I guess two questions. You, you know, we talked about the Kubiak, Shanahan, and now Hackett wide zone scheme. Do you think Javante Williams or Melvin Gordon? Do you think one of them is a better fit in that scheme than the other? And then my other question with the backfield is in the passing game. Do you think one of those two guys is going to play, you know, the majority of the passing down snaps over the other? Yeah, that's uh, those are both good questions because neither one of those backs are were, were necessarily known as wide zone guys. Uh, they're 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 better between the tackles. I mean, you saw Javante Williams; he's not an, necessarily an elusive guy. He's a carry three, four tacklers on his back guy. And so he doesn't shy from contact. And, you know, the whole thing about the wide zone is reading, stretching, and cutting at the right time. Melvin Gordon uh, has done it before with the Chargers. He's been in that system before. It's, it's, it's going to be adjustment. Javante Williams has said the new offense is an adjustment because it's more complicated and sophisticated for him especially in the passing game. So the, the, the passing game will be will be interesting. Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers threw to his backs. Aaron Jones was a couple years ago, not so much lately, but a couple years ago, was huge in the passing game. I believe Jamal Williams had a big year a few years ago also. So I think there's, there is potential for both. Um, Melvin Gordon was the – is the better – pass guy in on passing situations because he's bigger blocking 
uh, pass protection wise. He's he's just a bigger body. Javante did well though in that for a rookie. Javante did really well, and um, he's definitely capable. But I would think they're both going to have. You know, I think they both or each could have uh, 45 catches. You know, both won't, but both are capable. You know, I do think, uh, from what I understand in this offense, running backs will catch the ball quite a bit. So I just don't know who it is. I'll, I'll say this. Melvin only showed up for two days in the offseason, the mandatory minicamp. He didn't show up in the OTAs. And there were a couple plays where he really looked good. Um, you know, he's 29. I think Javante will get a little bit more, but uh, uh, yeah. Melvin might have something to say about it as far as going back to the balance. Yeah, that's what we've been saying all offseason. Like, Javante had an awesome rookie season, but Melvin Gordon was still really good too. So, you know, he he, he definitely shouldn't disappear from the offense. Yeah, he just, you know, he's had, he's had a couple big fumbles with the Broncos. That's been his career, especially early in his career. He kind of shook that label for a couple, the last couple of years in San Diego, L.A., and uh, but it's but it's come back. It's been a factor with the Broncos the last two years, and uh, somehow, some way, he has to he has to not fumble again. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of pass catchers, the tight end position got even more interesting. So after yeah. the Noah Fant trade, you know the Russell Wilson trade, but it included Noah Fant. Um, yeah. We've got Albert Oquay Boonham in place. Then the team drafted Greg Dulcich. We've already heard that they like him. How much of a chance do you think there is that Dulcich is competing with Albert O early on for that role? Are we going to see them split targets or would you expect more of a one-two between them? You know, and uh, this was fascinating. They took him in the third round. What surprised me a little bit was Dulcich played with the first, and so did Albert O, but Dulcich was right there with the uh, first string, first day of OTAs. Mm. Um, Usually, the rookies learning the playbook. Uh, you know, it's not till the mini camp that they start getting, uh, you know, first team reps. They're with the second team. And then an opening a training camp, second week, if they're going to be the starters, they're, they, they wait to the second week before they're elevated to the, to the first team. He was with the first team right off the bat. Now he then suffered a little injury, a core injury, um, uh, uh, strained his uh, a stomach muscle. It was nothing serious. Um, he will be there day one at training camp. We've kind of debated this among the Denver media. I think Albert O, he's, he's been around for two years. Therefore, he knows how to block. None of, no, tight ends do not know how to block if they can catch the ball uh, as rookies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they think they do. They, they're willing, but they don't know how. And that's where Dulcich is. Dulcich can block. He's a willing blocker, but he doesn't know how right now. And so I think Albert O is going to start and, and, but Dulcich is going to get 20 to 25 snaps uh, early, you know, in a game early, like week one. And then by about uh, week four or five, uh, I think he could get 40 snaps. And uh, I, I think they will use both of them. Albert O is terrific in the red zone. I think uh, I think Dulcich has a better chance of stretching. You know, eventually the way it's going to work out, Dulcich will be the guy between the twenties because he's got a little more speed uh, and he's a he's a terrific receiver. And then Albert O would be used in the red zone. They'll both be used in the red zone, but 
Albert Albert O has uh, not only great size for the red zone, he's he also has good hops, and so um, Drew Lock uh, really liked Albert O uh, going back to the Missouri days in the red zone. Russell Wilson showed that he liked both of them uh, during the during the off season. So I think you'll see them both. Who I would uh, give the edge to on the uh, long term for the for 17 week over the season, I think Dulcich will have a few more catches than Albert O when it's said and done. But you might have to be patient to get there. The first four or five games, I think, might be Albert O. I don't know how much, how much room we have for patience in this game. I know. <laughs> I know it's week to week, man. You know, you're always uh, uh, cutting and, and claiming. Yeah, but I mean that that's interesting because Albert O is going well, well ahead of Dalsich in fantasy drafts right now. And it, it seems yeah. like that that should be at least be a lot closer, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It will receiving wise, it will be um, I think it's got a chance to be closer, but not early. Not mm-hmm. early. So I see that. Well, uh, we appreciate all the insight on the offensive side. I meant to run this by you before we started recording, but I have one quick defensive question while we have you, Mike, and it's Jonas Griffith, he emerged at the end, out of nowhere, last season, started the final four games, gave us surprising tackle numbers. Is there any chance that he competes for a starting job this fall or even has a chance beyond that of being in Denver's long-term plans? Not only does he compete, he will start to to, to begin the season. You're right. Uh, He was – acquired by the Broncos right before the setting of the season opening roster. In fact, I think it was after the roster that 53 man was set last September that they acquired him from the 49ers for a seventh round uh, draft pick. He's, you know, he was undrafted out of Indiana state. Uh, His first year was practice squad last year, 49ers used him as uh, special teams and they were kind of overloaded at that inside linebacker special teams spot. So he was available, and the Broncos got him for a song to play special teams, to be a core guy. And then they had – everyone was banged up at inside linebacker last year. It was – that was the position du jour that got, uh, you know, decimated by injuries. So the year before, it was cornerbacks. Um, I think the year before that, it was defensive linemen. It always seems to be at one position. So he got his chance, and he was so dynamic in the last four games. You know, he gets into the backfield. He is tall, he's long, he can run, and he's got a little meanness to him when it comes to finishing off tackles. And uh, actually, I I wouldn't be surprised if he's the third down linebacker. I had a Josie Jewell, who they signed as for $6 million this year because uh, Griffith can do more in the passing game as at the inside linebacker when they're in the dime and the nickel. So uh, they also picked up Alex Singleton, who once the pads come on, he's going to show why he's a tackling machine. He led the Eagles the last two years, as you know. Couldn't believe he didn't have any market at all. But um, they got three good ones. Everyone says they need inside linebackers. They got three really good ones, I think. And Joel, and they're not counting on Griffith. And uh, Griffith might be the best. In fact, I think he is the best of all three of them. Griffith, Josie Jewell, and Singleton. Uh, Justin Stranad is the is the fourth, who's uh, also got some length, and would would be a kind of a third down guy, uh, but I think they're okay there at inside linebacker. Well, I'm getting tingles about Jonas Griffith now. I'm glad I threw that question in and got yeah. it before while we had you here. 
Yeah. He's good. And, uh, you know, he grew up, um, I'm not sure if he was homeschooled. I think he was homeschooled growing up in Louisville. And uh, uh, he took piano lessons growing up. And um, he's a pretty good piano player. So he can he can entertain the troops in the in the hotel uh, uh, piano bar there uh, on the road, too. So the guy's got all kinds of talent. <laughs> nice. Versatile. We'll look, we'll look for him on third down. We'll look for him in hotel lobbies. There you uh, go. Look for you on Twitter. He is at Mike Kliss. He covers the Denver Broncos, of course, for Nine News, always breaking news for us. Mike, is there anything in particular that people should be looking for from you coming up as you are about to end your vacation, you told us? Yeah, that, I guess the only thing is uh, I'd lean a little more toward Javante at running back than Melvin. Um, I'd lean a little more toward Jerry Judy, if I had to pick one, than Cortland Sutton. Um, I'd lean a little bit more toward Albert O early than Greg Dulcich, but watch out for Dulcich about um, week five. And on defense, the defense, to me, the keys are Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory, both of them huge um, injury issues, but also highly talented. You know, if they're if they're healthy, they'll get 20-plus sacks combined. But it's been tough keeping them healthy. That That's the key. Uh, and then, of course, Russell Wilson, uh, he looked good, by the way. Uh, you know, the, I know there's he's 33, and there was some doubt after last year because he had a fall off with the finger. But he finished strong with Seattle, and he looked strong all offseason. He looks like the real deal Russell Wilson again. If, if he can uh, – Stay healthy. He did. He he has taken the most sacks the last five years in the NFL. So maybe he needs to get rid of the ball a little quicker. And the Hackett offense should help him with that. That's an adjustment you make as you get a little older at quarterback. But that that those are the just the summary, you know, of the Broncos. And of course, McManus looks like he's his range is sixty. So especially at altitude. So fantasy wise, that's the way it looks for the Broncos. Awesome. You got to figure Russ is reinvigorated going, getting out of a situation that it seemed like he wanted to get out of the past couple of years. So it's going to be exciting to watch. He's well, as motivated. He's as motivated since uh, maybe his rookie year when he was third down and Matt Flynn was supposed to be the starting quarterback. Yeah. I remember it. Well, Mike Kliss, thanks very much for joining us and giving us your insight today. All right. Thanks guys. If you liked this show, be sure to check out Wednesday's episode with Cam DeSilva of Rams wire. You can head to DraftSharks.com or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform to get every episode of the podcast delivered to you as we post. With the high point of fantasy football season fast approaching, make sure you're a Draft Sharks insider to take advantage of our rankings, content, and draft tools. For our guest today, Mike Kliss, and the entire Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for some of us. 